Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hey, folks. Welcome to the Doing It At Home podcast. Thanks so much for being here. There's a couple of really cool things going on in the world right now. Well, the holidays are coming up, which is very exciting. So as a quick reminder, and while we're talking about that, if you want any of your doing it at home gear, your tanks, your t-shirts, your sweatshirts, long sleeves, sweaters, I think I covered everything there. If you want it in time for the holidays, make sure you get yourself to the website right now, diahpodcast.com. Look for the store tab and check it out. Make sure you have all your stuff in time for the holidays for yourself, your fellow birth junkie friend or mama, birth worker, team member, all, all the things. Uh, but just make sure you do that very soon here because before you know it, we're going to blink and it's the holidays and then it's 2020. Speaking of 2020, we have a lot of really cool things in the pipeline that we're excited about that we're working on. Matthew and myself, um, we're putting our brains together (laughs) and coming up with some cool content, some new ways to get engaged as a community. We just were really excited. So stay tuned for upcoming things and announcements and such. And if you have feedback on any of that, or you have questions for us or things that you'd like to see from us, from doing it at home, uh, within the community, please feel free to reach out. You can email us directly, hello at diahpodcast.com. And while I'm giving all of the announcements here, make sure you're listening to the podcast with your Parents On Demand app. So if you're not right now, after this episode, or right now you could stop, go to your app store, whether it's an Android or uh, Apple device, download Parents On Demand, and you can listen to our show through the network there. And check out all the other amazing shows that are a part of the Parents On Demand network. Really a one-stop shop for parenting-related podcasts, and that covers the whole spectrum from trying to conceive to beyond, you know, in parenting and um, well into the the parenting years, we're years that we are not at yet. <laughs> so I'm talking decade plus from now. Uh, all those life experiences are covered within the the content of the shows that are represented there in Parents on Demand. So you go to parentsondemand.com to learn more. Today's birth story, we actually have two stories, so it's a a double feature, if you will. We're chatting with Mandy Moss, and we get to hear two different perspectives of the home birth approach. So for her first birth, Mandy planned for a home birth, and after 48 hours of active labor and five hours of pushing, she transferred to the hospital, where she was able to deliver her daughter Eloise vaginally. And then for her second pregnancy and birth, she and her husband, Jake, planned for a home birth again, and she had a home birth with her son, Joel. So we get to hear some of the differences between those two experiences. Full disclosure, there were a couple of 
auditory anomalies within this episode, a couple of just little funky things that came up sound-wise. So you might hear a couple of that. It does not take away from the episode at all, but just giving you a heads up if you're kind of that person who has that kind of ear when you listen to podcasts. Uh, I also had an insanely grumbling stomach during the conversation, which I did my very best to calm and cover and do whatever I could. So if you hear that at any points, bonus points for you. (laughs) Mark the time and let us know when you heard it because uh, it's it's somewhere in there. Anyway, just letting you know that. But again, it does not deter from the magic and the beauty of this conversation in the slightest. And we're so grateful to Mandy for sharing her perspective with us, her, her experience, the highs and the lows. And it's just another really beautiful opportunity in this work and in having this space that is doing it at home to share all of the the variations and to share the many faces and voices to birth and home birth as well. So we're very grateful for this opportunity. Quick word from our sponsor, and then we will jump into the birth stories with Mandy Moss. Hi, Mandy. Welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Sarah Matthew. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Well, we are very excited as well. So thanks for carving out time to just come on this cool little show and hang out with us. My pleasure. Yeah. And before we hit record, I just love this element and I think it's fun and not to like out you, Mandy, but you are in your car right now (laughs) hanging out. And I feel like that happens a lot for mamas when we interview, whether it's that's the quietest place or whatever. But I just, I love that. You know, the behind the scenes stuff, things that you don't know. We've recorded episodes in the car before too. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, this is for for everybody. Like the car is a great place to do podcast recordings. It's It's like a little, yeah, it's a little recording studio. Yeah. (laughs) Multi-purpose. Yeah, I, I've been saying I need to like put out some like lamp and like a throw rug or something out here. <laughs> it, this, is, this is where I go anytime I need to um, be able to think or process anything. Um, That's funny. Is away from my tiny human. Mobile office. And then now cars have Wi-Fi in them. So I'm sure our next car will have that. And it's like... Game over. Might be where I start taking naps. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. (laughs) Okay. Moving on. Mandy, why don't you fill us in, uh, share a little bit about you and your family? I would love to. So I have been married to my husband, Jake, for about four and a half years. We're still um, in those early stages where the half of a year counts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We live live in Delaware. Um, We moved here when we got married, um, Jake is the area director for our local um, Young Life chapter here. So he works with teens um, uh, doing mentoring and uh, sharing the gospel um, is the, the whole idea behind Young Life. I, um, I am in my piano studio. So I have about 20 piano studio students that I teach um, on a weekly basis. And I also direct a homeschool choir. Um, and do some writing. Um, I've written a few plays and directed those just locally. And um, so that's a lot of fun. We're um, a very musical and, and, and theater centered family. Uh, so I have cool. a daughter, Eloise, who's two and a half. Thank you. <laughs> um, Eloise looks exactly like Jake and acts exactly like me. So that's ah. a fun combination. Um, yeah, so she's very strong-willed and a little precocious. Um, and then our baby is a uh, little baby Joel, who is four months old, and he is the sweetest, um, 
and smiliest and just a little sunshine in a little roly-poly body. Yeah. That's my family. Roly-poly body. What a great description. (laughs) I feel like I am there with you. I get it. I get the scene. I get what's going on. I love it. (laughs) So can you tell us, Mandy, how home birth entered into your world and how that became an option for you and Jake? Sure. So it's funny because the first time it was ever brought up to me, I was like, no, not that, which I think <laughs> I think a lot of people um, have that experience the first time home birth is, is mentioned. But um, I've been trying to think of when I when it first actually became a consideration. So um, I first um, learned about the concept of midwives being a modern thing when um, two certified nurse midwives started attending our church um, and we became good friends with them. Um, and they are just like a wealth of knowledge, mm-hmm. obviously. So we would go out to dinner and the joke would be, if you go out to dinner with Sarah and Mary, then you probably will hear the word vagina at some point. <laughs> um, Have a little counter. And learn, <laughs> yeah, learn things about placentas that you didn't want to know. Um, and that was just, our friendship. Um, but I always knew that I wanted to have a natural birth. Um, my mom, I'm one of five and my mom had all of us without any kind of pain medication. And she always was very outspoken within the family, um, about how she believed that that was what was best for the baby, um, and for the mother. And so I always just kind of thought, you know, I'm not going to do the epidural because that's what's best for the baby and for me. Um, that (laughs) was kind of a shallow, um, determination. I didn't really know a lot of the science behind that or, um, but I just knew that that's what I wanted. Um, so when I got pregnant with Eloise, um, I started going to the practice where my friend Sarah, the midwife, um, worked, which was, um, through a hospital. Um, and they had both doctors and midwives. Um, and because my friend Sarah was so, um, very, very natural minded and very, um, natural birth friendly. Um, I kind of viewed the rest of the practice as being that way also. Um, but as we got closer and closer to birthing time, I learned that the hospital itself was not very, um, natural birth friendly. Um, and the rest of the practitioners there really weren't either. Mm. Um, and so, um, in a, just in a conversation with, my midwife, she told me, hey, if you want to have a natural birth, which I think you should totally should do, it sounds great, um, you need to hire a doula um, in order to be successful at this hospital with your natural birth. Mm. Um, so I did. I um, I just picked up a flyer that was in the doctor's office um, for Thrive and um, sent an email and ended up hiring a, a doula from um, Thrive Birth Services. And then in conversations with her where I was describing the kind of birth that I wanted, she was like, hey, have you ever thought about a home birth? And I didn't even know that it was an option. I didn't know that there were midwives in my area who did that. And so I just was like, no, yeah, <laughs> no, that's not what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, but then we decided to hire a birth photographer who was actually just my friend, Tessa, who is really good at taking pictures. And I asked her to be at the birth. Um, and so I started looking at birth pictures online and realized that all of the ones that really spoke to me um, 
and really like moved me were the ones that were home, hmm. home birth. Um, so this is a long story to get to just how I decided <laughs> on a home birth, but, um, to wrap it, that part of it up, um, we did a tour of the hospital and everything about it was just like, nope. Um, mm. from the bright lights to, um, just the attitude of, um, the staff who was doing the tour and did, we did a birthing class. Um, and it was very much a, how to have a birth at this hospital. And it was all about their policies and, um, it just felt really yucky to me. Um, so at the last minute I was past 30 weeks. Um, I asked my doula, okay, how do I do this home birth thing? And it turned out that in addition to being a doula, she was actually a student midwife. Um, and so I kind of switched the role that I was hiring her um, as and um, hired her and her mentor midwife to um, come to my house and be my home birth midwife. That's wow. awesome. That's very cool. And this was, I don't know if you've said it already, but this was about 34 weeks-ish. Is that right? It was, Yeah. By the time I actually... Um, made the decision i think it was probably yeah it was between 30 and 35 weeks <laughs> somewhere in there nice wow so what was uh what was and your I husband going go no go ahead sorry i kept going to the OBGYN for um a few more visits and then i think around 36 weeks i was like hey i'm not coming back <laughs> um, and they were they were a little bit concerned, but um, yeah, but it was my choice. So absolutely. How was um? What, what were Jake's feelings about home birth and the switch and all that stuff? He was really, really uncomfortable um, with it, just in the discussion phase. But once we had, um, so Susan and Chloe were our. Um, were our midwives. So once they actually came to our house for the first, um, like initial interview, um, and they were able to answer all of his questions, he, he did a total 180 and he was actually more comfortable being with them than he was, um, with the idea of being in the hospital. Mm. So that was pretty, pretty cool. He just needed to hear it out of, from their mouths and hear about all the equipment that they were going to bring with them and hear about he asked a lot of like, so have you ever had this happen? And wanted to know what they were going to do if, um, you know, in, in case of emergency. And they were able to reassure him on all of those things. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Did you guys have uh, like a, a, a contingency plan? If, if something were to happen, <clears throat> then you would go to this place or that place? Did you have that type of stuff in order? Yeah. So, um the quote plan was that if it was a, if we needed to go to the hospital and it was not an emergency, then we would go to the hospital that um, I had had my care with up until that point. So okay. this was, um, this that hospital was about 30 to 40 minutes away, depending on traffic. Um, but there is a hospital about four minutes from our house. Um so the plan would be if it was an emergency and we just needed to get there, we were very close to a hospital. Um, so I think that that helped him to feel pretty safe also. Got it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, I love this, Mandy, because, you know, sometimes the question comes up of when can you switch care providers in any scenario, right? Let's just say you were still staying in a hospital setting, but switching care providers, you know, the question of when is too late or that there's stuff around that, right? The later you get into the pregnancy, somehow the less, I don't know what, what that means necessarily to some people that it, it just makes some people uncomfortable, I guess, or scary. Like it's a, it's a new unknown or it's a thing to, to make a change yeah. in a plan. Uh, however, you know, I love seeing in some of the supportive and empowering circles, whether it's online or in verbal conversations, when is too late? And, you know, the response of uh, until the baby comes, basically, <laughs> you know, exactly. if you are still yeah. pregnant, you can totally switch care providers. So I, exactly. I just, I love yeah. that as an example. And even though it was only the last couple months, um, I felt like I had the home, the full like home birth experience of having the midwife come to my house for those last two appointments. We got to know each other really well. We were like family by the time it was all over. And that was only, you know, that was having switched after 30 weeks. Um, but yeah, it's never too late. Um, and I think, I think that there's this kind of feeling of commitment, like, you might disappoint your doctor yeah. or like they're um like once you once you start like you can't you can't pull out and like you would be rude or something but that's obviously yeah you know you have to do it best for you and the baby but i think that that's part of it that people pleasing um, thing for some people at least yeah did you feel any of that that like oh man i'm going <clears> to <throat> i'm going to offend my doctor um so I think I would have if my friend who was the midwife hadn't been so encouraging about it. I think maybe I would have felt like I was, you know, choosing somebody over her or something like that. But um, but I said I actually asked her and this is probably unusual. Um, so the rest of the practice wasn't comfortable with me switching. But I asked her her opinion, you know, as a professional, hey, what do you think about home birth? And she's like, as long as you find the right person and they know what they're doing and you do your research go for it. Um, that's so what your OB having, said? I felt kind of like she had, well, my, my, um, the certified nurse midwife who was my friend. Got it. Okay. Said that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I kind of felt like she had released me to go and, and, um, be free to, you know, explore that other option. Okay, Mandy, before we hop into birth stories, let's take a quick break and we'll come right back. Okay, cool. So, Mandy, let's talk about some some birth stories. Let's talk about babies coming into the world. So, uh, we have two. So, we have a double feature for everyone today, which is very exciting. Uh, I thought we could kind of give some highlights from each of them because I'm sure there's some differences and similarities. So, however that works best for you, um, you know, made the switch to go with a home birth plan for LOBs. So, why don't we kind of start there and then we can go through the journey together. <laughs> Sure. So just like leading up to Eloise's birth and how all of that went. Yeah. Okay. So Eloise's birth was, um, it was intense. Um, (laughs) I had prodromal labor. Um, so like contractions that were painful, not, not really Braxton Hicks, but like contractions for, um, the whole like last month probably of my pregnancy. Um, always kind of felt like this is early labor question mark, but, um, 
but nothing. <laughs> it never like turned into anything. Um, so, um, I actually started having like consistent, um, consistent and more, um, intense contractions with her at about 41 weeks and three days. Um, and Eloise was actually born at 41 weeks and six days. Um, so it was, it was a lot. <laughs> it took a really long time. Um, we were kind of confused. I think if, if that had been my second birth, I would have definitely handled things differently and, um, probably gotten more rest. But at that point I was almost 42 weeks pregnant. And, mm. um, so I was doing a lot of walking up and down the stairs and walking around the block and doing squats and bouncing on the ball and everything, trying to keep things moving. Um, but I was just exhausted. So, um, so the midwives, um, so Chloe, who was originally my doula, um, and then the senior midwife, Susan came to my house when I think the contractions were like five minutes apart. Um, and, but it had taken like at that point it had already been like two days of early labor, um, before that point. So, um, so they came over and I didn't have any kind of checks or anything like that. So we were just going by how I was feeling and how, what my patterns were looking like and everything. Um, and things just weren't moving. Like it just was a very slow, slow process. Um, so I'm kind of getting lost in my head a little bit right now. No worries. Um, but, um, I ended up, um, going to a chiropractor on like day three of labor. Uh, at this point we had said, okay, I think this is active labor because they're getting closer together. I was become, you know, having a hard time coping with them and everything. Um, but, um, but that it just wasn't, just wasn't progressing. I'm pretty sure that if I had been in hospital and they had been doing, um, you know, cervical exams and everything, there would have been a big fat failure to progress, um, mm. label stamped on me because of how slow it all was. And, um, but I went to the chiropractor and got an adjustment and got, um, some dry needling on my back because I apparently was having back labor. Um, and I had never been in labor before. So I was just like, this is what contractions feel like. Um, but she's like, Hey, you're, it's not really supposed to be all the way in your back. Um, so again, looking back, that would have been a clue to me now with what I know, um, that maybe the baby wasn't in the right position. Mm. Um, but I didn't know to communicate that with the midwives. And, um, I think they didn't, they did, they didn't pick up on that either. Um, so after the chiropractor, things really kicked into gear. I'm not sure which thing it was because there was we did a couple different things. She used a rebozo and um, big piece of fabric to kind of um, support the belly and um, try to get the baby in a better position. Um, 
So after that, um, things really picked up. So at this point, I had been in labor, sort of, like early labor all day Tuesday. Um, The midwives came over Wednesday night, and at this point, this was Thursday afternoon. Um, So um, came back to the house, was thinking, okay, this is it. Like, things are really in gear now. Um, By middle of the night on Friday, um, or between Thursday and Friday, um, it seemed like I was transitioning and that things were um, really moving along. But then after that period of like an hour of like overlapping contractions, you know, multiple peaks and um, really intense, um, all of that, um, everything just kind of stopped for a little while, which was like, they were assuring me this is good. You know, you get a little bit of a break after transition and pretty soon you'll have the urge to push. But I just never... I never got the urge to push and contraction started up again, like six minutes apart. Um, but no, no feelings of needing to push. Um, so I, at that point, um, I asked them to check me and I was like eight centimeters dilated. Um, which was really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took all night long of just, four minute apart contractions and walking around. And um, again, like in hindsight, maybe I probably could have rested, but I was just wanting to keep things going. And so I was walking up and down the stairs and um, doing all kinds of stuff. But finally by Friday morning, I was complete, um, but still didn't have the urge to push. Um, So it was just kind of hanging out at one point I wanted to get in the tub and, um, I didn't rent like a birth pool or anything like that. I wasn't planning on having a water birth, but I wanted to like, I kind of freaked out. I was like, I want to go to the bathtub. So I got in the bathtub. Um, and then um, by Friday morning at like nine, um, Chloe, who was the student midwife, um, was kind of telling me, hey, like it's been a long time. You've been kind of trying to push in the tub and it's not really working. So like maybe let's, maybe let's get things into gear. Let's um, do some more coached, like directed pushing um, and try to get this baby out because you're exhausted. We're all tired at this point. They had been up with me since Wednesday night. Um, so this is like day, you said this is day three? This yeah, we're like 48 hours in wow. roughly. Um. So it depends on how you count, because when I think of when things changed up to being like not just sporadic contractions um, and start and stop, but from the minute they started and then didn't stop again, it was over 80 hours. Oh, wow. Um, but but of like how I think most people would classify as being more of like active labor, like, yeah, you know, can't yeah. really talk through the contractions anymore. It was more like 48 hours. And had your waters broken? Um, they broke sometime during um, the transition period. So between Thursday night and Friday morning, but it was just kind of like leaking. It wasn't like a big, obvious water breaking yeah. moment. Um, gotcha. Okay. So then the 
coached pushing. How was that? So I got out of the tub and got in bed, um, kind of that semi-sitting, um, more like what you would see in a hospital, um, knees up. And, um, and at first it was like, okay, this is working. Like we're finally making progress. They're like, we can you know, see the baby's head moving down or we, they could feel that. And, um, like, okay, we're going to get this baby out. Um, but like time was passing and looking back at the, how the way that it was documented it, to me, it doesn't even make sense because Jake had texted my best friend at like nine o'clock in the morning on Friday saying she's starting to push. Um, and Eloise wasn't born until almost 8 p.m. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so the first couple hours of pushing was, was probably, even though I was complete, she hadn't really moved down yet. Um, and so I was kind of doing that, like, uh, pushing, but, like, not, like, not really pushing. Um, and I probably could have waited even longer before I started, like, pushing but we were so at that point we all were so ready to just get her out sure. and have her be born that I think um in hindsight it's crazy to say that we were rushing things because it had been such a long time already um but I think it could have waited even longer so I was pushing um and it seemed like you know we we're making progress but then at one point um it became clear that she was not, that the baby was not cooperating. And um, I had no idea what was going on. I could just tell between the midwives, the looks that they were giving each other and how they all of a sudden kind of seemed like not super optimistic anymore. Um, Not that anything was wrong with Eloise, you know, obviously they were monitoring both of us through the whole process and, and, you know, her heart, were all good and she was healthy and everything but um she was trying to come out ear first um Mm. ear first huh all right ear first which (laughs) is not 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 possible um it's not obviously it's not ideal um and it really just doesn't work because the baby's head has to be the face has to be turned down in order for them to fit and so she had her head cocked to the side and she was posterior. Um, and we found out later after she was born, she had nuchal hands. So head cocked to the side, her hand up by her face yeah. um, and posterior. And so I'm pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And they keep saying, okay, this is going to be it. She's going to come out and she's almost crowning. And then, um, then they would see an, see an ear or feel an ear and then she would she was actually moving around a lot at one point um they checked me and Eloise was started sucking on her finger so at that point her face was turned um towards the opening um at one point she actually said she was afraid that she had poked her in the eye because she had felt um oh my gosh (laughs) felt yeah so she was all over the place um and you know I'm I'm just I'm just pushing through all this at this point. Um, I was barely even with, with, it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of just like, just trying to, just trying to stay awake and alive because <laughs> it just, um, it had been so long and I was so tired, but, um, 
um, the, we, we did all different positions, um, that you can imagine, you know, squatting, the, um, kneeling on the bed with the bottom up in the air and pushing on one side, pushing on the other side, all the things that they tried to do to get a turn, to turn a baby that's not in optimal position. Um, and it would seem like it was working. They'd be like, okay, she, you know, she's, and she's she's great. Let's push. Let's do this. And then after a couple pushes, she would have her head cocked to the side again. And um, and I remember, and I think I'll probably remember this forever. The the moment when Susan just looked at me and said, "Mandy, I don't know if your situation is conducive to a vaginal delivery." Oh wow! Um, and just that just broke me um, because I had you know, I had been working so hard and had been trying to be so strong through all of this and had done all of this work to have a vaginal delivery. And then she said that, um, and I don't know exactly, I don't remember exactly how or when the decision was made, but it, it just got to be at the time where it was like, we're, it's time to, to go to the hospital. Right. Like we can't, we can't keep doing this for, you know, even though we both were healthy, it was like the the responsible thing to do in this situation is to go to the hospital before it becomes an emergency. And it's looking like it could. Um, and so and so we, we decided to to go ahead and go. Um, so we went to the hospital that was five minutes away, not the one that was 40 minutes away. Um, and I was you know, pushing in the car because I couldn't not push. And, um, you know, at that point, (laughs) you know, you can't just like, okay, I'm going to sit in the car and ride peacefully to the, to the hospital. So I'm pushing in the car and, um, thinking, wouldn't it be great if the baby was just born in the car so I don't have to go to the hospital? (laughs) (laughs) Turn it around. I would so much prefer the baby to have been born in the car than to have gone to the hospital. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we did go to the hospital, um, and um, how was I that asked process? the midwife to call. Mm-hmm. What's that? I was saying, how was that process? Yeah, so the midwife called the hospital um, as we were getting ready to go to tell them that we were on our way. And at this point, it was almost 5 p.m. So this is when the shift change was happening for the care providers the nurses would change at seven but the practitioners would change at five um so it was almost five o'clock and she called and I didn't know that this was happening but I learned after the fact that the nurse who took the phone call grabbed um one of the nurse midwives as she was like on her way out the door and said you have to stay there's a home birth mother coming in and if you leave me with these doctors they're going to cut her open um and so um, that midwife stayed at the hospital in order to help me um, and to be um, the the person who needed to be there for me, which I'm just so thankful for. Mm. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, so the senior midwife came with me because she was the one who was licensed, um, and so she was able to come and um, be, be there as a support person um, and have all of my you know files and all of my information because they didn't know me at this hospital. I had never never been through their system at all. Um, and they were all very respectful to her. Um, she said it was one of the best transport situations she had ever seen. They were nobody, 
you know, said anything nasty to me about being, <laughs> being a home birth or, um, made her feel like, you know, she wasn't, you know, qualified to be doing her job or anything like that. It was, it was a very positive transfer experience from mm-hmm. her perspective. And, um, so we got there and that, um, the nurse midwife stayed, um, and there was a, there was a doctor in the room too, but he kind of, he kind of stayed back. And, um, after three more hours of pushing in the hospital, I had my baby. Wow. Wow. So how was that moment? (laughs) Yeah. What was that feeling like? Um, it, (laughs) relief, (laughs) I would say it's probably the overwhelming feeling in that moment. Um, and some disbelief and, I had decided I had, you know, a talk with myself um, before we went um, that, you know, some some babies have to be born by cesarean and um, I can't, I, I did my best and I, I, if I can't do this and um, that it will still be blessed and it will still be a positive experience and all that so I was trying to tell myself all of that and I had decided that when I got to the hospital if they offered me an epidural I would take it because I I felt like I couldn't do it anymore but nobody offered me anything uh, <laughs> just, I came in and I was like okay let's you know what you can keep pushing because she apparently had changed positions from the time I was got in the car and drove to the hospital and then and got out again mm. um it still was it still was a mess. I still had to do all the same stuff at the hospital that I had been doing at home um, with all the different positions for, with pushing and everything. Um, but I'm, I'm really glad that I didn't have any kind of um, medicine or pain relief or anything. Cause I'm sure that I just would have fallen asleep. Mm. Um, it, the only thing <laughs> keeping me um, awake um, was these, you know, painful pushing contractions and the need, the urge to, to push. So I think if I hadn't been able to feel that, I think I just would have passed out and I wouldn't have been able to, to deliver her. But, um, so somehow I was able to push her out, but I, I was a, a mess every, in every other situation. So when, when she was born, they were like, okay, you know, reach out and you can, you can pick her up. And I couldn't move my, my arms were like, jelly like everything like I physically couldn't move they had to put her on me and at one point I remember I needed I wanted to shift her from one arm to the other arm and I had to call somebody over to to help me move her from one arm to the other arm because um just I was I was so spent and um so just all of this the physical like stress of having pushed for almost like a full day's work basically yeah um um I also couldn't see I it was very much like purple pushing um and had like burst all of these blood vessels in my eyes and had like triple vision and um so that was that was really tough after she was born to want to you know see my baby and hold her and touch her and stroke her hair and all all this stuff and um I couldn't move and I couldn't see um, it was probably 12 hours or so before the, my vision cleared up and I could actually see more, more clearly. Um, 
but so I do remember having after having her that like oxytocin rush and everything and remember looking at my husband and being like he's so cute and like wanting to like give him a big kiss after she was born and um and feeling all of the lovey-dovey um hormones and and that moment and everything but it also was really tough to feel like I was kind of robbed of that golden hour because um everything still hurt so badly after she was born and um was so tired and couldn't move and couldn't see and was not in my home like I wanted to be um so it's it's kind of bittersweet um it was it was definitely a happy sad like I did it I had her I didn't need surgery like I was afraid I was going to but Nothing about that went the way that I thought it would, and it was very confusing because I didn't know, understand why everything yeah. went the way that it went. You know, I had I had done a lot of research and learned a lot about birth, and I had never heard of a birth that that went the way that that did. I have now because I've heard a lot more stories um, than I had before I went through that experience, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of intense. You know, from a physical standpoint alone everything and then as well as you know the mental emotional components as well that's that's a lot to take in and now with this huge life-changing experience and this this new little human on your chest that is certainly a lot for any human to (laughs) to process and integrate into their into their whole beingness Yeah, yeah, it is because birth changes you, and birth is intense, and no matter how it happens, you know it's it's going to be a big deal. Yeah. So, so when, um, when birth is traumatic in itself, apart from the, um, I hate to call it a trauma, but you know the huge, uh, the huge transition of giving birth and having your having a new child you know no matter how it happens it it is a lot you are right Mm -hmm. so for your second birth mandy what was the the thought process there and how did you move into you know did you know you were going to do home birth again right off the bat i wasn't sure um on one hand i felt like if I'm going to have to go to the hospital, maybe it'd be better to just plan from it from the beginning um, and choose a hospital that I love and, or choose the birth center. Um, birth center really wasn't an option that made sense in my situation. But um, so it, it took a while and I actually interviewed a few different midwives and was looking into every hospital within, you know, reasonable driving distance. Um, and it was around, it was probably around 16 or 17 weeks before I chose um, chose a midwife practice to have my son with. And um, I, I realized after a while that I, I think I was kind of fooling myself and thinking that I would be content um, and happy with anything other than home birth because it really, truly was the desire of my heart. Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. So then was there anything for yourself, you know, with you and Jake or in conversations with your midwives that you kind of had to process or whether that was release or, you know, plant new mindsets or affirmations for yourself going into the experience? 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So I chose the midwife that I did after, um, I, I spoke with her, um, on the phone, um, and told her a little bit about what had happened with my first birth. And she was like, okay, well, how would you like to make sure that that does not happen again? Mm. Um, and I was, I was kind of taken aback by that. And I don't think that it was, um, the first midwife that I chose that she, you know, she did anything wrong or that it was her fault. But, um, the midwife that I chose was just, um, so confident and so knowledgeable on how to ensure that a baby was in an optimal position. And she had all kinds of recommendations of things to do during pregnancy and during labor, um, in order to, to really do everything that we could to make sure that baby was in a good position. Um, so I felt, I felt pretty confident that I was, you know, doing what I needed to do and um, that she would be able to support me if things um, were not on track the way that they needed to be, that, that she was the, a person who could, um, who would have the knowledge to be able to lead me through that. Um, I also was really comforted by, um, so we're, we're Christians and I was praying about this a lot. And I had a lot of anxiety about giving birth again after having a traumatic experience the first time. But, um, um, but there's a scripture, um, where, um, the Lord is actually talking to Jerusalem. So it's not directed to a person. And I had a hard time thinking like, okay, I'm going to claim this for me because I knew it wasn't (laughs) written like to me, but, um, but he says to, um, to Jerusalem, will I lead you to the point of birth and then not deliver you? Um, no, I will not leave you. Um, and um, just thinking that, you know, the God who created childbirth, um, he, it was used as a metaphor to describe um, um, what he, what, God would do for this um, city and how he would um, bring um, bring all of his promises to come true um, in that sense, but thinking that it, 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 it applied to me as well. Um, and that um, with, with my first baby from going all the way to 42 weeks and then hours and hours and hours of labor and then hours and hours of pushing, it just seemed like I could, I would never give birth. Um, yeah. Like it never was just wasn't going to happen. And so that became my affirmation for my pregnancy with Joel was, um, will I lead you to the point of delivery and then and then not birth you and thinking, no, like this baby will be born. And I know that I can do it if it takes a long time. (laughs) And I know that um, that God's strength is with me. Um, Mm. So that that was very comforting to me. That's powerful. That you took the words right out of my mouth, Matthew. <laughs> so, what are some highlights then from Baby Joel's birth? Um, I love, given everything you just set up for it, I imagine there's some magical moments from it. It was much more straightforward. Um, mm-hmm. The midwife, um, Marilee, is the name of um, the midwife that I hired for Joel's birth. Um, she said it was basically textbook. So, I laid down with um, Eloise the night before. Um, to put her to bed and I had been having contractions all that afternoon and had a feeling that maybe uh, at this point I was a week past my guest date. Um, so I knew that things were, were going to be moving along sooner or later, but I laid yeah. down and, um, 
I'm actually, I'm tandem nursing both my babies right now. So I was still nursing Eloise, um, which can, um, when it's time, um, nursing can, you know, stimulate contractions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I laid down to put her to bed and was nursing her and was like, oh man, like this is really starting to hurt. And then my water broke. Um, So Eloise, um, was asleep and I came down and was like, okay, like my water broke. I'm in labor, um, labored all night long. And then, um, Joel was born at 10:45 in the morning. Wow. So, so it really um, was <laughs> textbook. Yeah. From the time my water broke to when he was born, it was about 14 hours, um, which was still about twice as long as I would have liked it to be. <laughs> Um, beforehand I thought, oh, 14 hours, that sounds great. That is nice. That is so short. You know, I could, I can do that. But <laughs> then once you're actually in the moment again, it's like, this is dragging forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like, I have no idea how I did it when it was 80 hours. I think it just was more gradual, um, where that 14 hours was much more intense because it all, everything still had to happen, but it happened in a shorter period of time. Quicker. Was there anything, um, once you recognized that labor had started, was there anything that you did different um, with Joel's birth than with Eloise? Maybe like, you know, the positions or music or anything like that that was um, that was very different? I rested more. Mm. I, I made a point to just not wear myself out. Um, so I still was like bouncing on the ball and doing some lunges and things like that, but... Um, but I, I kind of had um, the headspace a little bit more to be like, it, if this is happening, then it's going to happen. And me lying down is not going to make it not happen if it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of tried to take it, take it easy a little bit more. Also, um, with Joel, um, I had a doula. So my doula, Maria, came over. Um, and I just, I, I remember this moment, which was tough in the, in the moment, but it, it's one of my favorite memories, um, of when, so the midwives had already come over because when my water broke, there was a little bit of meconium. Um, so she came over sooner than she probably normally would have, or when I would have asked her to come because she wanted to check on that. Um, so she came over and was like, okay, like I'm staying, we're having this baby. Um, which was tough, but, um, because I, you know, I wanted to go to bed and I wanted to be kind of alone and um, be able to process things. But then it was like, okay, no, like the team is here. We're doing this. Um, so when Maria came over at this point, it was, it was late at night. It was probably around midnight or one in the morning or so. And I remember she came in the door and sat down next to me on the couch. This was in between contractions. And I just put my head on her shoulder and just started crying. And just like the relief of, having that person who was there to support me um, and also crying because I knew what was coming and knew I was about to give birth and a little bit worried about the meconium um, and just thinking, okay, like this is, this is real. It's all happening. It was all hitting me. But then when she walked in the door and I just like, just put my head on her and just like, let it, let it out. Um, And then really felt like I came to a piece about, okay, like, 
I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to do this. And, and my person is here. And, mm-hmm. and Jake was there too. And Jake was, Jake was great, but um, there's something different about having like a sister um, and having a doula there yeah. from, from my experience. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And so having Joel arrive, was there anything for you, whether it was in that moment or in moments after kind of processing the experience that you felt whatever that was for you, whether it was heal or release or kind of connect with aspects of your first birth, was there anything that came up for you around that? That all happened in the days following the birth. Mm. Um, I expected it to feel like, Oh, this, you know, this healing birth is what I wanted. I wanted a healing birth after the traumatic birth. Um, and on paper, it totally should have been, um, because I had a, I had a water birth. It was, it was very gentle. Nobody was touching me. Nobody was reaching up inside me, trying to turn my baby's head and all of the things that were traumatic. But the first, I felt very, very supported. I had my comfort. And so on paper, it, it definitely should have been. And now looking back at it, it is, it, it is, um, uh, it kind of felt like everything kind of came you know, full circle. And I had the birth that I wanted in the moment though, it hurt. Um, it still hurt, even though it was everything that I wanted. And, um, it was still really, really hard. And I didn't like, some people say that they love giving birth. I didn't love giving birth. Even when I got everything that was on my list that I wanted, it, um, it was still really hard. And so the, the healing and the, um, all of that came in the days afterwards, reflecting back and looking at it and being like, Oh my gosh, like that, that was amazing. That was magical. That was everything I wanted. Um, and it was really especially healing for Jake, um, because, you know, he was just along for the ride with all of everything that had happened with the first one and had felt really powerless and, um, like he wasn't able to, be there for me and help me and had no idea what was going on. And he didn't really realize how much it had affected him um, and his words, how much it messed him up until Joel was born and he saw what birth could be like and should be like. Um, And so it was probably equally um, healing for him to see, um, see a good, a good birth. Um, Yeah you know, the, the way that it should be without all of the drama. Mm. Yeah. That's well, it's, it's beautiful that, 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 um, you know, Joel's birth was able to create the space for that healing to happen with both of you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And my favorite, my favorite moment from Joel's birth, I'll just add this in, um, was that I was able to catch him myself. Oh, um, so yes. I was in the water, in the water by myself. And after having, um, with my first time, like I said, people reaching up inside me, trying mm-hmm. to turn her head and not, not pulling on her or anything like that, but just like not, not gentle. Right. <laughs> um, not a gent, not a gentle birth the way that I picture a gentle birth. Um, so being able to have Joel and have nobody be touching me to, to push him out and then pick him up and put him on my own chest um, with probably one of the best moments of my life. And I think it always will be. It was very, very empowering um, to be able to do that. That is so 
beautiful. That yeah. is so awesome. Just that undisturbed birth magic. I love that. That's mm. amazing. That's the oxytocin right yeah. there. <laughs> I'm feeling it. <laughs> and and uh, last question that I have is uh, Eloise. Where was she? You said that she she had gone to sleep, and was she present in the room when Joel came out? Did you guys grab her afterwards? Um. So, um, my mom came over the night before and spent the night. Um. So when Eloise woke up in the morning at this point I was already in the tub and um uh wasn't wasn't able to see her I felt like she would have been confused um and she's totally a mama's girl so I think it it would have been uh, kind of upsetting for her yeah. not that this would be the case for every kid um but knowing her, I thought that it would be best if she didn't see me until after the baby was born. So um, my mom took her downstairs and was playing with her in the backyard. And at one point, um, she told me that they came in to use the bathroom. And I was making a lot of noise. I didn't at all with Eloise. I was completely silent the whole time. But with Joel, I I found my voice. <laughs> and it was a totally <laughs> different experience. And it helped me to cope. Um Whereas with her, I think I was kind of stuffing it all inside. But um, with Joel, I decided that I was going to give myself permission to be vocal. So I was, you know, letting out this roar sound and Eloise was kind of confused by it. And my mom just told her, do you hear bears? And so they started uh, roaring, pretending to be bears. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. I love that so much. Do that is such a sweet yeah. aspect of the whole thing. Yeah. Nice little note to it. Yeah. Mandy, thank you so much for hanging out with us and for sharing part of your your life, your family, your experiences and and birth journeys, you know, birth of your babies and births of you, you know, as a mama. We're just so grateful and so excited to share this with with the doing it at home community yeah. and and beyond. So, you're amazing. You are. It was my pleasure. Thank you for giving me the chance to share. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgins. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>